Welcome to a bonus episode of Double Impact. A, well, yes, it's a repeat. You might be wondering why we're doing this. Why are we reposting an old episode? Well, it's it's May Madness. There are no rules. May Madness. Every week of May Madness, it's five weeks. Five weeks of five massive movies. We're going to be reposting an old episode of something that we think pairs quite nicely with the movie of the week. And this one is a no-brainer. After all the T2 chat, let's go travel back in time to where it all started with Terminator 1. Now this does go back in time a fair bit. This episode is over a year old. It's episode number 50 or something. So it may sound a little different. Believe it or not, we've gotten better at this thing called editing and soundproofing a studio and all these types of things. But that's beside the point. Let's get into the episode 1984's The Terminator. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I am Tristan. And I'm Greg. It's Saturday night. It's a long weekend. Yes. And it's our podversary. It is a podversary. Yes. It was a sweaty Australia Day long weekend this time last year. Uh, whence we decided to record some episodes, some of which made it. No, neither of no, which made it. We the did. Lost Tapes. The Lost Tapes. Uh, we did The Matrix. We did. And Deep Impact. Deep Impact. And both of those episodes had recording issues where they both stopped recording after an hour because the software we were using was only a trial version. That's right. The Lost Tapes. Stuff, stuff of legends. I forgot about the <laughs> one hour thing. I just remember that too. That was oh. the primary reason we didn't initially... Release of his episodes. Oh yeah, I always was like, oh, worst we'll case, make something of it. We'll make something of it. Yeah, and I went I'll back and listened, and I was like, we oh, will not. Maybe we won't. I feel like we had been drinking. <laughs> we drank a lot, and we were really giving it a red hot go. I, I would like to listen to them. There's soon. definitely some good stuff in there. It just kind of sounds very much like a school project versus kind of the slick production. Slick. That is. Sliding into your yeah. ear holes mm. right now. We had the uh, Triple J Hottest 100 today, which is a very important millennial event in mm. Australia each year. Yes, I know of some of the songs. Yes, I know of few, very few. So that's a little milestone each year that I'm getting further and further away from. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> We're getting old as fuck. But we have this platform to talk about old shit that yeah. is still cool in our eyes. And the movies just keep getting older too. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And we're talking pretty old today. We this are. is on the towards the uh, edge of our cusp. Terminator, the Terminator. The Terminator. T1. Yeah. As it were. 1984. 1984. Non-eventful year. Oh. The world. No. Cute babies that year, very oh, cute babies. Oh, big time, my wife. Yeah, and Tristan. My work wife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want to take us back to 84? I haven't really got anything this week <laughs> for 1984. I was, uh, had some technical difficulties, <laughs> called my children, and I struggled to get some clear space. Mm. So I must apologise and bore you with the fact that I have nothing. You yeah, were born. You were born. born. Yeah, I told you that's a free pass, man. You and Carol used it. was also born. I'm using it now. <laughs> Tristan was born, probably in a hospital. Well, I've got an interesting true fact for you for 1984. A little movie called The Terminator came out. Oh, yeah, you did sure did. Budget of 6.4 million dollars. The breakthrough for the great Lance Henriksen. <laughs> Yes, true. Well, sort of. Correct. I was going to say the main guy, but I can't remember his name. Billy Bean. No, something Bean. Michael, Michael Bean. Breen. That's no, pronounced Bean, apparently. Oh, Mr. Bean. Yeah. Mr. Bean. <laughs> his career took an unusual twist. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, a physical we'll, comedy. We'll get into all that. Um, yeah, 984. This movie came out, $6.4 million budget. 
Rotten Tomatoes critics gave it 100%. Audience gave it 89%. What's wrong with him? I ask you, what's wrong with him? Big year for movies overall too. A lot of movies we've actually done. Yeah. Maybe um, that's why I'm struggling for fresh. Maybe, yeah. Fresh bands on 84. Well, the top 10 in 84 with number one, Beverly Hills Cop. Number two, Ghostbusters. Number three, Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Number four, Gremlins. Number five, The Karate Kid. Number six, Police Academy. Number seven, Footloose. Number eight, Remains in the Stone. Number nine, Star Trek. Three, bleh. Number 10, Splash. Wow. To that top 10, I say. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And A Nightmare on Elm Street, which we also did. God, Gods Must Be Crazy came out that year too. But at number 21 came in. The Terminator. Twenty-one. Geez, um, what stuck out to me with all that was the, the Bouget six yeah. nil. Yeah. Six mil doesn't get you much in 2020, does it? Doesn't. It didn't look like it got you that much back then either. I wouldn't have A couple thought... of explosions. Yeah. A couple of stop motionies, animationies. Oh, but it, it gives you a, a Terminator. And a Terminator. A Terminator. Yeah, and Arnold. some police car crashes. Okay, maybe they didn't have a budget for lights. It's, it's quite a dark film. A dark film. <laughs> Correct. Was this a big movie for you in the, back in the um, day? Full transparency, it was not. Yeah. I think that's probably relatively common. Yeah. T2 being the entry point for a lot of people. Yeah, for, certainly for me. For um, me too. Yeah, you, what about you? Are you in the same? Uh, I'm in 100% the same boat. Because by the time T2 came out, we were relatively of age. Yeah, I T on T2, that was the, f- I probably said this before, that was the first R-rated movie my mother let me borrow right. from the video store. Oh, right. I took it back three days late. Oh, wow. Because we were just it. watching it. Fuck, it was, we rewatched it a lot. This was at Jono's house, obviously, because yeah. I wouldn't be allowed to borrow that. Yeah. And man, we watched the shit out of yeah, that. Yeah, we watched, I think we watched it back to back. But I tell you, it is kind away. of a shame because you end up, because obviously I ended up watching Terminator 1 at some point. I imagine maybe early teens, mid-teens mm. or something. And like, you already know everything. Like it's, imagine watching Terminator 1 with fresh eyes and like the, everything would have been pretty mind-blowing, I reckon. Yeah. The time, I, the concept of it at least. I think you had to be, I think that style of film maybe didn't suit us at that age or definitely didn't suit me that age. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. quite dark. Yeah. Um, it's quite a, it's kind of a slow movie. It is. It's a smaller movie. Yeah, compared to T2. Yeah, yeah. If I had watched Terminator 1 when I watched Terminator 2, I would have thought it was dog shit, basically. Yeah. I would have been like, what? Is, what? No, fuck, what the fuck is this? Yeah. But then when I did eventually watch it when I was ready at the right time, I quite liked it. Yeah. I've always felt it's a bit under underrepresented a little bit. I feel like people respect it, but I think it's T two is definitely like the one. And and you know, it's one of those franchises that there's just like so many movies now. People, there was one last year. Yeah. I didn't watch that. Did you watch that? I did not. No. I did have a look quick look at the numbers today. How did it go? Not so good. Yeah, because apparently old Jimmy Cameron, Jimmy Cam as we call him. Mm. Um, was involved in that one too, from a producer. Well, Linda yeah. Hamilton was back. Yeah, so this was one. This was supposed to be finally the one that's good. I heard it's okay. Like relative to the other ones, it's better. It was a, it, look, it might the, critically it might be good, but it, commercially it's not. I think it, lost, <laughs> it lost like 150 mil or something. I think the best reviews I heard were like, "Yeah, it's not as bad as the other sequels." <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, also, oh. I think I could be wrong. I think. The Terminator's jacket was in Planet Hollywood in Sydney on oh. display. I think it was, right? One of them. Wait, which one? Not that shitty first one. Maybe the second one. I hope it was the second one. <laughs> the first one was stupid. The grey one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but he ends up with a leather jacket. I know. I don't and know where he gets it from. Carol's like, I feel like Arnie's just arrived when he puts on the leather jacket and puts <laughs> the sunnies on. Yeah. She's like, why wasn't he dressed like this the whole time? He'd already lost his eyebrows by that point too. So it was never a perfect moment and his hair had gone off. His hair was all funny. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, at the first half of the movie, he's running around looking like a some kind of weird guy. With <laughs> yeah. his, like, he looks like he was in Seinfeld in the episode when they had no water pressure and all their hair goes flat. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's weird. It's a weird look. It's a weird look. Genuinely weird, and especially with the eyebrows gone. Changes and then he drops, I'll be back. It's like he comes to life. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Well, again, if this was your entry point into Terminator, I guess you would be on that journey. But because you see T2 first, you're just waiting for more of the iconic look. Mm, yeah. yeah. You just wait, you're basically waiting for the whole movie to do all its things. So you go, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. But I guess in another sense, maybe it's just like how, you know, prequels are trending now. It's a bit like going and watching a prequel. Oh, yeah. that's an interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Should I get into the origin story? Uh, I'm looking forward to this. Origin story. I uh, I was light touch on the reading because I thought I'd like to. Ooh, you're going to get natural facial expressions from me. <laughs> they always go good on a podcast. I'm raising my eyebrows yeah. in surprise. <laughs> um, well, I think this is one of those ones that's well, relatively well trodden ground, but I'll do my best to make it interesting for you and get those eyebrows. Moving. <laughs> Please. Um, <laughs> Greg keeps moving his eyebrows. Uh, so, surprisingly to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm he has a very me. expressive brow. <laughs> I have a prominent brow <laughs> and I do what I can. Uh, this is early Cameron, man. This is actually not technically his first directorial mm-hmm, pursuit, mm-hmm. but the real one, really. So, he was knocking about Hollywood as sort of a special effects guy on a few movies, doing odd jobs here and there. And he, his big break came with a movie called Piranha 2, Ooh. The Spawning. So he's like living in his car or something. I don't know if that's figurative or literally, but it was relatively homeless, I suppose. Mm. And he was signed up to be the director of special effects on this uh-huh. picture. But the director who was lined up pulled out Ooh. because he wasn't getting along with the producer. And oh. That director... Joe Dante, Gremlins. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not Steven Spielberg. Yeah. He produced that. <laughs> Damn right. I've always thought Piranha 2 looked weird on his resume because he hasn't made a ton of movies and they're all like heavy hitters. Big. And so I guess it makes sense that that was the first one. Mm. We've all got a Piranha 2 on our resume. We sure do. I've got mostly Piranha 2s on my mm. resume. Same. I've got Piranha 3s, 4s, 5s, man. Have um, you got a Piranha 3D? <laughs> I've, oh, that's a good movie. Oh, there you go. Well, this is the thing. I think the Piranha movies are meant to be tongue-in-cheek, like B-movie kind of yeah. things. Uh-huh. And Piranha 3D was very much that. That is yeah. fun. Um, I thought I'd play the trailer for Piranha 2 just to give a bit of oh, sense of nice. where he was coming cool. from. Some of the trailers. Could I quickly say that that when I said that this was the big break for Lance Henriksen, that wasn't true because... He's in Piranha yeah, 2. correct. What's it called? The Spawning. Yeah. Sleek. Fierce, savage, deadly, the piranha. For centuries, nature's most ferocious killer. Until now, the new breed is here. Faster, more ferocious, and infinitely more deadly. You get the idea. It's out there, man. Could I uh, quickly acknowledge this? That reminded me of of Anaconda. Oh uh, yeah, we've got we've got a creature feature, and we've got an animal that doesn't really make a lot of noise, but we're going to make a noise. Yeah, yeah, like a, you need oh, it. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. So I was thinking as we were watching that. You know how it's a bit of a meme these days and we've talked about it, how like things like quicksand and the Bermuda Triangle we thought would be like bigger deals, things to be wary uh-huh. of. As uh-huh. Piranhas are probably in that category too. Hey, like yeah. piranhas. Oh, yeah, you're gonna be, you're gonna have to point. be careful with piranhas. It used to be piranhas. Now I'm all, if I went to the Amazon, I'd only be worried about those. <laughs> the things that go up your dick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 I wonder if they're real. We should check that. I think they, must they are. Be. The peony, peony, peony. Anaconda shimmers. wouldn't lie to us like that. No. Yeah. Goddamn Anacondas. Anacondas. Yeah, good. But yeah, so it's interesting. So he gets bumped up to director, but he has... He's had a Bradbury moment. Yeah, he did. Yeah, there you go. But he was having a bit of a bad time himself. He was having a shit time because he was also having the same issue with that with that producer. So Who's the producer? Some guy. Uh, did, I, did I write his name? I can't remember now. Fuck. No, I didn't write his name. He sounds difficult. He sounds like a difficult guy. Yeah. Well, uh, Mr. Cameron is in Rome. Lovely, mm-hmm. lovely a romantic city, uh, but having a terrible time. And would you know it, he even got sick. 
Oh, the the poor a, guy's having. He had a bad linguini. He had a bad linguini or two. Shouldn't have had them clams. Ah, uh, yep. You know, he was going to watch the clams. So he finds himself in a bit of a fever state, a bit of a fever dream. Oh, I love a fever makes its dream. <laughs> you found your wedding ring in I a did fever after dream. After six months of it being lost, <laughs> I saw it in a dream. And it was, and you woke up, and it was where I you woke saw up. It. I, I genuinely misplaced my wedding ring for about six months, and we'd been married for about eight. <laughs> and just for context, and I went home from work mid around lunchtime because I was quite unwell, and I had fell into a deep sleep, feverish dream, <laughs> and I dreamt that I saw, I saw my wedding ring down the side of the couch, and I sort of woke up and went whoa, walked out of the bedroom to the to the living room, and put my hand down the couch and immediately like pulled out my wedding ring. Wow, it's great, it's phenomenal, and it's it's similar to uh, what happened to it's it's. Basically the same it's story. The same story. So he has a dream that a robotic torso uh-huh. is crawling out of a fire trying to attack yeah, him. Yeah. So it's basically the same story. I was just sitting around basically in my hotel room. I was in fact sick at the time. I had uh, real high fever. And, uh, and I was just laying on the bed thinking and came up with all this, this bizarre imagery. And I think also the idea that, you know, because I was in a foreign city by myself and I felt very sort of dissociated from, from uh, uh, humanity in, in general, it was very easy to project myself into, the, into these, uh, these two characters from the future who, who were out of sync, out of time, out of place, you know, that sort of thing. The rest is history, uh, but there's more. Interestingly... Yes. So he, the idea of the robot came from that, but the idea of the movie was more inspired by the films of like John Carpenter with Halloween and like slasher movies. Right. And so when you think about it, it kind of is more like a slasher movie. It is. Like that unstoppable thing that just keeps coming for you mm-hmm. to, kill, to kill the chick. Doesn't speak. Yeah, it doesn't speak. Great pecs. And so because a lot of us entered through T2, which is just straight up action movie, you kind of can't help but try and watch T1 through that lens. But yeah, then if you suddenly point. switch over to slasher movie mode, it's like, oh, yeah, mm, okay. It's a, slash, it's a slushy. Yeah, I get it. I get it now. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And and I guess those are the genres where you can be make things quite cheaply because it's not an action movie. It's just mm. a, usually a guy chasing a chick. Um, so I think the thinking was this would be a good first movie for me to have creative control over. Just quickly on the um, on the saving money, mm. was this a swingers type scenario? Were they real people in those clubs dancing? Oh, maybe. Yeah. No, because it's not a real club. Oh, they built that club, and that club that club is called Tech Noir. Yeah, which is basically the Tech- genre of the movie. Tech Noir. So it's like it's it's like if the club in um <laughs> in Basic Instinct was called Neo Noir Erotic Thriller. <laughs> <laughs> Be, Maybe it was. That'd be good. Yeah, so it's called Tech Noir and they built it for the movie so they weren't real people um, getting I feel, shot. I feel... I it was. <laughs> they're going to get a real behind. organic reaction here, okay? I want you to capture <laughs> it, get <laughs> it in the can, movie. do what you got to... <laughs> oh, that's aggressive. Well, they, hey, I was just yes ending. Something about the word snuff film just makes me unsettled. Well, they're horrible. Yeah, the first one I watched, I was like, whoa. The second one you were like, yeah, yeah I, get it now. I get it now. Boring. Yawn. <laughs> All right, so he's inspired. He's got an idea. He stays with a mate by the name of Randall Frakes. Ah, yes, the great. Well, apparently, yeah, he's a science fiction writer. I had never heard of him. Had you heard of him? No. No. And he... Stole the idea of Randall? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating here, but he's a science fiction writer and he stayed with him. I reckon there was some co-authoring here. So apparently James Cameron does kind of like get a lot of other people to External, help, uh, which is nothing wrong with, but then he always, it's always like written and directed by James Cameron. Like it's, yeah. it's always that. Like Titanic. That had already sunk. <laughs> yeah, he didn't write that. That happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, Liar. And that guy was apparently involved in Terminator 2 also. So yeah, yeah. Good Jack? Maybe if he was involved in Dark Fate, it would have been good. So Maybe he's the secret source. Maybe JC's already put him down under the waters when he does his little... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where he takes his loose ends. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me right there, so uh, why don't we go for a submarine tonight? That <laughs> oh, was so deep, James. And he comes back and they're like, uh, yeah, where's Randall? He's like, he sleeps with the fishes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so he wrote the movie and he's like, this is great. I'm going to direct this fucking thing. And he's shopping it around town. People were interested, but they didn't want him to direct. This is a real kind of Rocky Balboa situation, That's isn't right. it? But he makes a deal with... Uh, the devil. Perhaps, no. A nice lady named Gail Ann Hurd who would go on to become his wife. Number one. And made a deal with her. What did she uh, do? Because a lot of people offer it. She's a producer. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are offering big bucks. They're like, we'll offer you like, all this money, but you can't direct it. Because it's a pretty... Because I was, yeah, this was what I was unclear on if this was like a original idea. Because it's, I think it was pretty for great. the time, yeah. So it's probably a pretty hot script, yeah. Yeah, and I um, love these people that are just charging, and going, no, no, I'm doing it. I'm yeah, that would be so. Like you like to think you would do that, but reality, if you're like basically homeless, it would be yeah. pretty fucking hard. You could buy like new hubcaps for your house, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, or a cheeseburger, yeah, both, <laughs> both. That's living, man. Fries. <laughs> um, but they made a deal. He said to her, I'll sell it to you for a dollar um, if you let me direct. So she's getting a good deal because she's getting the script cheap. Mm-hmm. And they had been, I think they'd worked together in some of those previous projects, so they were pretty chummy, chummy enough to get married after mm-hmm. this movie. Now, interestingly, which is, is not the sequence of events I would have thought, yeah. but at this time, 1984, based on everything I just said, keeping in mind that trailer we just listened to of, of Piranha, like let that be the benchmark of what's out there in terms of James Cameron's abilities. Arnie was much more famous than James Cameron. He was like the... Oh, was he? Yeah. Getting Arnie was like a big deal. Right. Yeah. That's what I did. I failed to look into pre this. I would have thought it was the opposite, but yeah. Where was Arnie at in his journey? I thought this was like quite early. Arnie, it, it, was, it was early, well, yeah, but he but was bigger. So he had yeah, done... He was, he was somebody... Done? He'd done well. He'd done that movie we only discovered the other week called Stay Hungry, but that's a pretty small movie mm-hmm. with Jeff Bridges and Sally Field. Um, yeah. But he'd done Pumping Iron, Pumping Iron, and he'd done Conan the Barbarian. Ah, uh, Conan. Yeah, a so bit that weird. was that was enough to be, and of course Hercules in New York to be a guy. And this being a relatively small movie, so he wasn't the biggest star in the world, obviously, but he was a name. He was, he was had something. the biggest biceps. He had in the, the biggest world. bicep in the world. But yeah, he, uh, Cameron didn't want him, partly because initially. They were trying to get him as Kyle Reese, yeah. And and uh, old Jimmy Cam was like, "Fuck! If we get Arnold for Kyle Reese, then we have to get someone even more famous for the Terminator. Um, this is fucked." And um, yeah, right. So okay. Arnie gets the script, and he's like, "I become the Terminator." Basically, they were looking for someone to play the heroic character in the film, uh, in the first Terminator, and uh, they asked me to play that character. And I asked them to send me the script. Uh, that I have a slot open for spring, and I want to see the script first. And I read the script, and I immediately could relate much more to the character of Terminator than the heroic character. Yeah. So this is all happening in parallel. This lunch is set up, and oh yeah, James Cameron's going to see Arnold. And he's like, "Fuck! Oh, how do I get out of this? I don't want him in the movie." But he wanted a free lunch because he's poor. Well, actually, yeah. It's saying something like he was gonna, he was preparing to find a way to get into a fight with Arnold, so Arnold wouldn't want to work with him. Oh, he was but baiting they, him. Yeah, but then they got there, and Arnold, and was Arnold, Arnold said that I want to be the Terminator thing, and he was like, "Huh, huh." And um, they they both got really pumped about the idea, and it's interesting because Terminator was initially supposed to be more of an everyman blend into the background kind of guy, probably more like what you see in T two, like an OJ type. Yeah, well, that's the other thing too. <laughs> so. <laughs> this, this, the studio wanted O.J. Simpson and famously James Cameron thought he didn't seem convincing enough as a killer. <laughs> the jury agreed. The jury. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> there it is. Good. Good um, material. Yeah, good material. But so with this one move, uh, the whole movie kind of changed without changing a word in the script but just like the idea of what this Terminator was kind of mm. changed. For the better, I would say. But it, during the courtship, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, Arnold was interested, but of course it's all a negotiation and whatnot. He was playing it cool. He was playing it cool. Uh, James Cameron had a nice way to seal the deal. You, you, you then did something really smart. You sent over to my office your painting mm-hmm. that you did of Terminator. Right. You impression with actually with my face on it. Right. And with the holding the 45 or like this across the chin like this. And I looked at this painting and I said, 
I am the Terminator. <laughs> I'm gonna make this call now. Right. And I called Lou right. and my agent right away, and they called you, and I said, I want to play the Terminator. Yeah. And then the deal was made. So I, he got paid a dollar for this. I'm, I'm getting a clear vision of why he's living in his car with these sort of commercial <laughs> acumen. Yeah. What does he, he gets paid a does he get paid to direct? I think direct? he gets paid to direct, right, surely. Cool. He sold yeah. the script for a dollar, but yes. it doesn't mean he's working and doing everything else for free. Yeah, cool. And also the rights reverted back to him in 2019. I don't know what that means exactly. Does he suddenly get more residuals or something? Or uh, I don't know. Was he his father all along? I don't yeah, know. Is, is time cyclical in is that, that l- sense? Looper? <laughs> looper. Um, <laughs> but yeah, turns out James Cameron's quite a painter, isn't he? Because he, you know, in Titanic, those sketches were his Paint drawings. Paint me like your French women. Yeah. I think, I think he was probably just trying to marry, what's her name? Kate. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, Lance Henriksen. Ah, the great. Of Piranha fame. Mm-hmm. But later he's in Aliens, right? There's a he's lot of aliens. aliens crew in this, including Mr. Bean. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was, well, there's some conflicting reports here. But so are we talking about the Bean or the We're talking about Lance. Henriksen. He was gunning for the role of the Terminator himself. Oh, yeah. And he showed up at the studio in his version of in costume. Oh, I wonder what um, it was. Unannounced. And James Cameron wasn't there. And everyone was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> oh, he, that was his big thing. Yeah. And James Cameron was like, yeah, cool. And then, nah, nah. But to be fair, I guess if it was meant to be more of an everyman type of deal, that would have made more sense. But apparently he showed up with like foil on his teeth. And like <laughs> oh, that's kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, it's only good fun. There are some other interesting precasties, though. So OJ Simpson, you already said, um, Mel Gibson and Stallone were offered the role of Terminator. Offered? Yeah, and turned it down. Good choice, boys. They wanted Sting for Kyle Reese. And I would say there's still some Sting in there, isn't there? There's a little I bit agree. Of, yeah. I might have liked Every Sting. Every breath you take. That would work. Because he's thinking about. But explain Sarah your Connor. English accent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is it he-, he can be heroic like he was in that episode of The Simpsons where he digs the hole down the well. Yes. Yeah. It's a dreamboat. <laughs> Shut up, Marge. She's, She's a, a good, good digger. digger. <laughs> um, Patricia Arquette audition for Sarah. Yep. That works. That does work. And pretty pretty well, actually. They but just kind of look similar. Of course She's a bit feisty, though. I she would is say. feisty. She's a feisty one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but obviously it went to Linda Hamilton. And a fine job she did, too. Mm. She did a great job. She was great. Um, she is fresh off uh, Children of the Corn. So she wasn't she wasn't bit huge yet. Yeah, she would later go on to marry James Cameron. Also, mm. so a lot of they were married to quite. They were married for a while, weren't they? I believe. Yeah, maybe like nine years or something. Oh, ah, yeah, that's yeah. that's it's like it, dog years. So Hollywood marriages are like dog years, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that's like sixty three years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty good. Oh, here's another little tidbit that I thought was quite interesting in the original concept. They were supposed to send back two Terminators. Oh, double trouble. One liquid Chad metal. And Alex. Really? Yeah, one named Chad and one named Alex. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, T1000 liquid metal was supposed to be in this one, um, but technology wasn't there. They were considering yeah. some claymation type of shit, and they're like, nah. This looks shit. I'll tell you what, I think it's for the best. Perhaps a beautiful constraint. Yeah. Save it. Save it next time. Save it for next S- time. Yeah. yeah, six yeah. mil. That's not happening. It's not happening. So they went and made the movie, very scrappy. Actually, before they made the movie, um, old mate, I can't remember the director's name, who was making Conan the Destroyer, which also came out in 84, was like, hey, you can't have Arnold yet. We've got to shoot Conan the Destroyer. So the whole movie gets delayed nine months or whatever while while, while Arnie goes and destroys as Conan. Um, So in the meantime, everyone's just waiting. James Cameron storyboards the whole movie himself. uh, What does that mean? Like physically draws each, not each frame, but each kind of shot like a, set up, composition-wise. Like, composition like a comic book. Yeah, kind of like a comic book. And so, you know, the thing is when you do research on these movies and all these all these docos and stuff are, are made in hindsight, and hindsight's a very different thing because mm-hmm. you've got to remember at the time, James Cameron had made a movie called Piranha 2, The Spawning. Mm. This movie was about a robot from the future. Uh-huh. It could have been a pretty shit movie. It could have. Yeah, and apparently on the set of Conan the Destroyer, <laughs> when asked about what he had to go back and shoot, Arnold had said, oh, some stupid uh, robot movie, I don't some piece of shit. <laughs> He's admitted to saying that. Yeah. It's in his book or something, which I think is nice to hear because everything's 
painted, you know, in hindsight as, yeah, was, we knew it was going to be something special. We were like, under Bullshit something, yeah. you did. Bullshit. Mm. Um, so I like that. A breath of fresh air. Absolutely. Should we play the trailer? Let's play the trailer. In the 21st century, a weapon will be invented like no other. This weapon will be powerful, versatile, and indestructible. It can't be reasoned with. It can't be bargained with. It will feel no pity, no remorse, no pain, no fear. It will have only one purpose, to return to the present and prevent the future. This weapon will be called the Terminator. You're dead, honey. What day is it? The date? 12th May, Thursday. What year? Assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. Why does it want me? Why me? Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. Your future is in its hands. So apparently Optimus Prime guy, I can't remember his name now, did the voiceover for the first teaser trailer, it said. Yeah, right. I don't know if that's him and that one. Could be. Could be. It was there be, somewhere. Uh, a key member of the chat pack. Yeah. The chat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a real, that's really taken off the chat pack. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> Every time I say it. <laughs> Um, so the Terminator, not a very well-known franchise. So do you want to give our listeners at home a bit of a sense of what, what it's, what's it all about? Oh, I'd love to. Um, Los Angeles, California. California. 1984. The early years of what became known as the crack cocaine epidemic. Ooh. We zero in on the lives of a few of its casualties. Mm. There is a lady with big lips and even bigger hair. The hair. She has a nice Jetsons t-shirt. And a lizard. She also has a lizard. Jub jub. Jub jub. She is friendly, warm, but easily led astray. Her name is Sarah Connor. Sarah lives with sexy party girl Ginger. She's got herself some headphones. Mm, Ginger's hair is even bigger. She has a boyfriend who's trying to get Sarah to join them. Mm, sexy things. <laughs> Sexy things with drugs. Uh. Soon we're introduced to two violent pirate junkies with a connection to Sarah's past. Or is it her future? Whoa. One, a killing machine, a real Terminator type. The other, a scatty <laughs> junkie with bad teeth, desperate to find his next hit. <laughs> Sarah is led into a psychotic, frantic game of cat and mouse through the dark and dirty streets of Los Angeles. Fancyful stories of a dystopian future where robots overtake the human race. Skynet's to blame. It's all very clear. Can't you see? On the run from the police. On the run from themselves. Who is right? Who is wrong? Who is John? Sarah awakes from this psychotic nightmare. On the road to Mexico and on the road to recovery. All she has is a jeep, a bandana and a dog. And maybe a John. Oh. Finn. I think that's quite a good look at the end. Yeah. Like, why don't her hair? No, I'm not. Uh, we'll talk more about Sarah Connor and the character and all that, but let me just be super superficial first. Her haircut is atrocious. <laughs> this is worse than. She looks like Grug. <laughs> is, it's what? Yeah, Grug. All the hair in this. This is. It's worse than McLean's wife. This is bad hair. And then suddenly, when she's <laughs> pregnant and in a jeep, she looks great. That's a cool look. She so looks really cool. She's cool. She's wearing cool overalls. Mm. She's pretty cool. And she's kind of like been through it all, you know. She's reformed. Yeah, she's pretty, she's comfortable in her own skin. Yeah. Yeah. She went on quite a journey. All she needed was the loving of a good man. She shouldn't have been smoking at the end, though. 
Was she? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some interesting... Uh, I've got some thoughts on this later. I won't get into it now, but whether or not this is a feminist movie. Oh. Because you could argue like, well, she had to have sex with that guy to become important. Or, you know, anyway. But initial thoughts-wise, I was like, hey, it's a pretty good movie. Yeah. I enjoyed it. And all the things we said before, it's obviously smaller and everything and yada, yeah. yada, yada. I definitely detached. Uh, I intentionally detached T2 from it. Yeah. I had read the slasher film thing a couple of years ago, so I had that in my head too, trying to like reframe it a bit. So in gritty. My brain. Yeah, very gritty. So gritty. Very tech noir. It's very 1984. It is. It's very 80s. And I'd get, I didn't really consider what a time gap there was between the two movies too. Yeah, same. What is it? It's like years? nine years. Nine years? I think it came out in 93, T2. I really enjoy it when we revisit movies that are a really clear reflection of the era they were made. Yeah. Yeah. And it really is. Mm. And it kind of makes me wish it said like a third Terminator, this another distinct, because then Terminator 2 is pretty 90s too. Mm-hmm. Like should the, or, oh, yeah. with the gunners. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, exactly. And the arcade and like all that. And kinda. Edward Furlong. Yeah, Edward Furlong, exactly. <laughs> um, um, I look forward to doing that as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, what else you got on the rewatch? Well, you have to acknowledge, I guess, that some of the special effects were a bit funky. Most of them, though, I think kind of worked for all the reasons we just said, yeah. being of the era. I think the only one that was a bit like was the stop motion-y stuff at the end. Yep. And I kept trying to think of other ways. I obviously couldn't. But like, I was like, surely there was another way that could have made that look a bit more... Better. Yeah, but when it's just a torso, it looks sick. It looks fucking good. And also, why when his, um, you know, skin, air quotes, burns off, why does he then walk like a robot? Yeah, it's one of those ones, isn't it? Like surely, suddenly. Suddenly he's like. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's extremely slow. <laughs> well, yeah. Especially towards the end, like, it's not a real threat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh, I thought it was quite. Obviously, that part where he takes out his eye and stuff, like his face suddenly looks like plastic. Really yeah. But I thought it was, I don't know if this was intentional or not. I thought it was quite clever that he lost his eyebrows before that. So he already looked off, a bit off. I wonder if they were like trying to bridge the Didn't gap. I noticed he had no eyebrows. Yeah. Oh, I did. He was creeping me out a lot. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was a funny head. Yeah. And the hair, because his hair got singed and his eyebrows got singed. Ah, so that's why the that's hair went shorter. That- yeah. Ah. I can't tell if that was supposed to be a cool guy haircut that accidentally happened because it was sort of a bit mullety a little bit. I think so. Yeah, so accidental cool guy haircut. Yeah. It doesn't explain why he has that hair in Terminator 2 though, does it? He should have. What's wrong with his haircut in T2? Well, why would he get a haircut? Like isn't a a Terminator made? Robots have feelings too. That's that's (laughs) the point. Well, they don't. He understands why humans cry number two. But it's something he could never do. Being causes it. (laughs) Yeah, so his old clay face, I think, is pretty interesting. <laughs> old clay face. <laughs> and it's fucking brutal, man. It's not like mm. graphic, but it's brutal. Yeah. Like just assassinating those Sarah Connors, it's like fucking yeah. heartless. Yeah. And in the gun store. And <gasps> it's a lot of poor less guy is more. from Gremlins. Yeah. Oh, that's what he was. Yeah. The old racist tractor guy. He really, he, he cops Fuck, it. that was 1984 as well. Oh, mate, what a workhorse. Killing it, yeah. <laughs> He was. He was. Uh, This is a bit of a segue. Yeah. But I found it quite confusing. (laughs) Okay. Can you talk about time travel stuff? Yes. So in my notes. Because that that was my first big topic I wanted to try and tackle. Because my notes (laughs) here I've written, help me please, Tristan. (laughs) Because I'm going to assume that you have a. You got something to say on this? I do, but not that I understand it necessarily. People like me that listen to our show. I have a few thoughts on this one and I actually recycled some notes I had from Back to the Future which didn't make the episode. Oh, good. Because time travel. it was clear in Back to the Future. I understood that. Or is it You get in the DeLorean, you go to 84. Marty! (laughs) All right, well, I've tried to – I believe there's roughly three types of time travel that are in movies. (laughs) (laughs) You asked the question. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm interested. Um (laughs) – because <laughs> my main thing was the, on this one was like, so does he know that Carl Reese is going to become his dad? And he must because at the end when she's in the overalls, she's like, should I tell him? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell him. Oh, yeah. So he must know. 
So he's sending... Oh, but he didn't want to tell Kyle because then it might freak Kyle out. Well, that, that means that Kyle was always going to be his dad and always will be his dad. Yeah, that's And it's just clear. pre-existing, right? So that's the, first, that's the first type of time travel we see in movies that they call the predestination how, paradox. How does he make his... He dies. So how does he... He's, he's made, well, let's go through the three theories. The first one, the predestination paradox, which is this one, which is traveling back to the past, you were always going to do. So the thing you did there was always going to happen. So that's already informed the future. It's just like one thing. Whereas back to the future is like you can go back and change things yeah. and that will change. But that's sports almanac. But that in and of itself is a paradox because they kind of try and do it in Back to the Future where he starts to fade away, but wouldn't it just be instant? If his parents didn't meet, then he would die. But then there would be no one to send back in time to make his parents not meet. Yeah. So it's just a, it's a paradox, right? Mm-hmm. So I think technically the, the, the Terminator one makes more sense. The funniest one, though, is, you know, Avengers Endgame. Yes. They just were not, not interested. <laughs> they were like, there's one scene, I'll play the scene, they literally just make a mad excuse about just why none of it all. <laughs> yeah, just forget it. Forget it. Don't ever think it. This is this is um, the Hulk's explanation. Professor Hulk's explanation. He's wearing glasses when he does it. Yeah. Clint, now you're gonna feel a little discombobulated from the chrono shift. Don't worry about wait, it. Wait, wait, wait a second. Let me ask you something. If we can do this, you know, go back in time. Why don't we just find baby Thanos? You know, and first of all, that's horrible. It's Thanos. And secondly, time doesn't work that way. Changing the past doesn't change the future. Look, we go back. We get the stones before Thanos gets them. Thanos doesn't have the stones. Problem solved. Bingo. That's not how it works. Oh, that's what I heard. Wait, but who? Who told you that? Star Trek, Terminator, Time Cop, Time After Time, Quantum Leap, Wrinkle in Time, Somewhere in Time, Hot Tub Time Machine, Hot Tub Time Machine, <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, <laughs> basically any movie Ripper? that deals with Ripper? time travel. Die Hard? No, it's not one. This is known. I don't know why everyone believes that, but that isn't true. Think about it. If you travel to the past, that past becomes your future, and your former present becomes the past. Which can't now be changed by your new future. So clear. <laughs> you just said past and future. A yeah, he's just got like loud. he's basically the the real takeaway of that is just like just don't fucking think about it, dude. Relax, because yeah. they knew all the nerds will be like, wait a second. But then yeah. it does get all convoluted with timelines and things and yeah. fuck. But I think I guess this movie, the predestination thing. I don't know. Like, do you still have a? Does does it make more sense or less sense now? A little bit more confused than I was. Yeah, especially when the sequels come into it. Oh, that's – well, yeah. I did also – I think the first few, the first two or three make sense in that way, but then yeah, they get all weird yeah. with like the that one where Sarah Connor is played by the Mad Queen. Ah. You also forgot um, a, a fourth type of time travel. What's that? Uh, the butterfly effect. Oh, yeah, we can go into a diary. Yeah, which is where – if Ashton Kutcher goes back in time and makes a movie, it's probably going to be shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the one, and uh, this always happens, Greg. I always say I don't like the guy, but God, gosh darn it, he's done it again. The most accurate depiction of what time travel could really be like. No, Nolan? Yeah, Nolan in Interstellar. So the theory is right, that right. time travel into the future is technically possible because time moves at different speeds in different circumstances. So if you can go faster than the speed of light, time has to slow down to allow you to do that. That's a very theoretical Even during one. a cornfield chase? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you heard that one about the speed of light? So nothing can travel faster than the speed of light, right? Yeah. So and then if you do... The theory... The theory of this one, it's like a, it's like a, what do you call it? A metaphor. No, it's not a metaphor. It's a, it's a theoretical example. Ah. So let's say there's a train that can go at the speed of light. Yes. But nothing can go faster than the speed of light, right? But this train is going at the speed of light. It can't go any faster. But you're on this train. That train is going at the speed of light. You get out of your seat and you walk forward. You're going faster than the speed of light. Now for that to work, time has to slow down. That's some theory. Are you going to be inside some kind of? Well, it's just it's just like the physics breaks or whatever, and yeah, from the train. And then the other one is called time dilation, which is the faster you move through space, the slower you move through time. So technically, all the things around us are experiencing time differently, but it's in such minuscule things that you don't notice. But you know, like the satellites that go around the Earth, yeah, 
because they're at a different um, uh, level of gravity or whatever, because gravity is another factor in how time changes, their clocks go off like by one second every 24 hours that they have to like fix the clocks because the time is different. Ah. Yeah. And this is the one that Interstellar uses perfectly because of the gravity on the different planets, time moves differently, and that's why he meets his daughter and she's older than him later on and all that kind of shit. So it's actually technically mm. viable, that one. Any time traveling to the past just is all paradoxes, though. So he's alive at the end? Yeah. He's in the bookcase thing going, eh. Yeah. Knock it on the bookcase. That's a stupid movie. It's yeah. pretty good until the end. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to watch lo- it again. I, I love like, that soundtrack. Oh, yeah. I see this. I love all the polish. I love the represent. I love the package. Mm. But the stuff's and not Michael in there. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I was supposed to protect you. That's in the Batman one. Your, your father. <laughs> I was supposed to protect you. Well, I can't do it. Would you go back and kill Hitler if you could? Uh, yes. If you go back in time. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the slasher movie angle. Uh-huh. So I like this angle. I think it genuinely made the movie more enjoyable. Kind of resets expectations a little bit. Well, thanks for the heads up. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, like we were saying, very Michael Myers, unstoppable force, just doesn't seem to die, just keeps coming for you relentlessly, coming for you, coming for you, coming for you. And Arnie's a bit of a zombie by the end too, there's that kind of works too. Mm-hmm. And it subverts some of the tropes, right? So in slasher movies, often you have sex, you're probably going to die. If a chick has sex, she's going to die, right? Oh, yeah. But she has to have sex to save the world. Oh. Really flip the script. Flip the script. Um, So that's pretty cool. And Cameron does get a lot of praise, especially from himself, about about having female heroes in the film. Because he made some comment. You know how Wonder Woman blew up? Was it last year? I don't know what year that was. Maybe the year before. Yeah, and it was a big, like, this movie's good. It's so good to see a strong female hero. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he said something. What did he say? Well, all of the self-congratulatory backpatting Hollywood's been doing over Wonder Woman has been so misguided. She's an objectified icon and it's just male Hollywood doing the same old thing. I'm not saying I didn't like the movie. To me, it's a step backwards. Um, meanwhile, then he, oh. a male in Hollywood, then pats himself on the back for his female characters. Yeah. However... Yes. I I came across this new it's like a new version of the Bechdel test. Oh? Yeah, which is this guy, I guess he's like a reader or something in Hollywood and he he posts. So apparently the way women are introduced in the script is often extremely sexist and talks about their physical appearance in such a weird when you're and reading detailed like way. She walked on the scene, you know. Yeah. A red lipstick and stiletto. Yeah, and they, they don't obviously don't write that stuff about men, but it's such a weird thing that they write about women. So this guy, he changed all the names to Jane, and so it's called the Jane Test. And he, he's got this Twitter and he just posts them all. And so some of the ones on Twitter, it's like, Jane, mid-20s, with a leaf gossamer beauty that bellies a deep inner strength she's unaware she possesses. <laughs> beautiful. Jane's the Harvard type, smart as shit and beautiful. Jane, 40, gorgeous bond, blonde, big-breasted, great body, beautiful smile. <laughs> Jane, 30s, is cute but could be hot if she put in effort. So the reason I bring this up is I came across how Sarah Connor is introduced in The Terminator. Oh. And I don't know if it passes the Jane test. Go on. So Sarah Connor is 19, small and delicate featured, pretty in a flawed, accessible way. She doesn't stop the party when she walks in, but you'd like to get to know her. The vulnerable quality masks a strength she doesn't even know exists. That's probably the worst one I just read, right? It's so weird. She wouldn't stop the party. What is is the like? Did he write that about like Bean? You know, Mr. Bean? Bean (laughs) might stop the party because he had no clothes on. Yeah. He's quite lean, Mr. Bean. Bean's super lean. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Could, would, should. So I have no conclusion on that, but I just say, hey, James Cameron, get over yourself, buddy. Yeah. He's very uh, self-impressed. Self Is that a phrase? Self-assured. He, he may s- just he may sniff his own farts. He may sniff his own. He's he sniffing would them right because he's in, <laughs> he's he's in, in a, a submarine. submarine. He would have to sniff his own farts. I mean, is there no – the manifestation of him sniffing his own farts is him making four more Avatar movies that no one is waiting for. Like, do you think – 
Maybe the next first one will be huge out of curiosity. He's but making more of them? He's making four more. When? He's getting old. I think there's the, he's making them all at once and I think they're going to be the next four Christmases or something. Oh. Or I every mean, second he's Christmas. He's like probably not that old. How old is he? Like 60 Old enough that this probably will be the last project he works on. Oh, well then, you, I mean, Scorsese's pretty old. I think yeah. the directors seem to be able to keep going. Yeah, because they're just pointing at things, like, right? Is that how you like direct? goalkeepers. You just don't have to do as much <laughs> so you can go longer. I guess so. What did I say, 65? Uh, yeah. Oh, he's from Kapus King in Canada. Shout out to our Canadian massive. How mm. Kapus Kassing. Mm. Continue. Where were we? Well, it's still on the slasher film thing. Uh-huh. What I think is quite interesting about the franchise is the jump from T1 to T2. So first one being yeah. like, it's all sci-fi, it's all wrapped in sci-fi, but first one sort of being more of a slasher movie and the second movie is so different. It's completely, it's a, as you said earlier, it's a big, it's a blockbuster was, action flick. Yeah, and I was thinking about, because we did Swingers last week, I was, I was thinking it's like if Ocean's Eleven was a sequel to Swingers, like it's just such a jump, mm, yeah. the genre is different, the yeah. characters have completely evolved, but all in a good way. It's not like First Blood to Rambo, First Blood Part 2, which I still like, but it's just like a different, you know. Yeah. It's it's not like that. It actually makes sense and it's good and it's interesting. And I reckon that's why the third one should be another similar jump into a different genre. Like Well, I have a I have a bit of a repitch on Terminator Three. I'm excited. I haven't had a repitch you for a while. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with this one. I Set up you. the repitch noise. We don't have one yet. Repitch. Yeah. All right, so here's the pitch. So, like I said, T1 is a slash movie. T2 is an action movie. I think T3 should be a war movie. Oh, good. Yeah, and on that sense, in that sense, Terminator Salvation technically is the closest we have. So I think that's okay. But Terminator Salvation is just is not the T3 I'm shooting for. All right. So I also stipulate Sarah Connor has to be in it. John Connor has to be in it. Like I said, I'm happy for Christian Bale to be John Connor. I think he's got the right stuff there. All right, so we open. The year is 2000 and something. I don't know how the timeline works exactly at that point. We see John Connor, played by Christian Bale, talking to his troops as they gear up. It's slowly revealed that they're gearing up to go back in time to 1997 in an attempt to change the past one last time. But it's a complete inversion of the previous two. They're sending people back to kill the founders of Skynet to prevent this from happening. So it's a complete inverse of Terminator 1. They're sending troops back. It sparks a war. So this is a war movie, but the two sides of the war is future and past versus each other. So humans on both sides. Humans from the future fighting the past. Humans from the past slash present fighting the future. Yeah. So this gets interesting with the, the, the predetermination time travel we talked about too. So let me keep that in mind. But so John Connor sends people back, starts a war, trying to take down Skynet at that pivotal moment in 1997 where shit hits the fan. Sarah Connor is there, present day Sarah Connor, 1997 Sarah Connor is there. Mm-hmm. She's actually working at Skynet. Ooh, and because and John in the, in the cafeteria, yeah, and she's working with future John Connor via present day John Connor and feeding him intel because future him will know anything that she tells present day. So as this thing is unfolding, he's like, she'll tell present day John Connor, okay, they're planning to do this. Future John Connor knows that plans an attack this way. So it's like this weird looper thing happening there. But here's where it gets a little spicy. For all the reasons we talked about with time travel in the Terminator universe, everything is predetermined anyway. And what we find is this future versus past war is the very event that triggered the nukes exploding all over the world. That's what Skynet did initially, right? It turned all the nukes to blow up or whatever. Oh. It turns out this war was what triggered it. So they were chasing themselves. They chased themselves. The abyss. Are the robots the enemy, or we uh, are we our own worst enemy, Greg? Oh, I put yeah. it to you. Oh, yeah. So the circle is complete. The loop still works, and I think you got a nice wrap up of it. It's a trilogy, then. 
starts yeah. as a nice little humble slasher movie. It gets into an action movie and then it's a war movie. Anyway, there's a bunch of epic war scenes throughout all this. It's war, 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 hardcore shit. But eventually the inevitable thing happens and all the nukes go off and it's because they went back inside. It was all predetermined. Oh, great sound effects. Michael Winslow over there. Yeah. <laughs> so I, like I, I quite like that as a Terminator 3 option. Mm. Mm. Um, I, I dig it. Mm. Who? So we've done the and you've done the casties. Yeah, and then you would have Linda Hamilton still. Oh yeah, and you could have Edward Furlong still as as the nineteen ninety seven John Connor. If we can find him, yeah. Oh, and I think John Connor should die. Well, I guess everyone dies. No, John Connor shouldn't die, but the nukes happened because they went back. So it's all John Connor's fault in a way. So this is all one self fulfilling prophecy. Um, juicy. Take that one, James Cameron. Do yeah. it. Make that movie. And and Tristan's not even vegan. Yeah. Is he vegan? Yeah. He, is he? Isn't he behind the game changers? Ah, oh, interesting. Is that how he got Arnold in there? Probably. That's isn't that why people were like up in arms like he owns a pea protein company and he's made this beautifully put together oh. propaganda for veganism. Vertical integration. Mm. Synergy. Yeah. Hey, I found a potential deep cut Simpsons reference. I'm not sure if this is intentional or not. Go on. Hear me out. Um, this is interesting. I'll play the clip and then you tell me if this rings true of any is Simpsons. It is it a visual? Uh, no, it's an audio. I'm going to close my eyes to, to. I think the worst moments were not really when I had to do something physically, like, you know, running through a window or falling through a window, or landing on glass, or something like that, or being on top of a car. It was more the, 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 the acid that was poured on me to make me smoke, <laughs> to, make the, to make the character smoke. I remember it's this. True. We did pour said, acid on you. I, 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 I kept saying, yeah, is, is there yeah. no other a way? It's a very mild acid. Yeah, yeah very mild. Is, is there no way that we can just put some smoke in there somewhere in the clothes that I can smoke, <laughs> uh, rather than having uh, acid being poured on? <laughs> With fire and acid and those kind of things, you never know. Well, well, you, you know, you know when that up. stuff starts to get around the face. Exactly, too yeah, much or right. in the eyes, yeah. you know, it burns a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, goggles do nothing. You're right. <laughs> I wonder if that was intentional on the Simpsons part. So we're talking about this clip in Radioactive Man. Moments before he's hit with a 40-foot wall of sulfuric acid that will horribly burn everything in its path. Now, that's real acid, so I want to see goggles, people. Real acid? Okay, real film. Tip the acid bats and action! Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Only Fallout Boy can save me now. Where's Fallout Boy? <laughs> Fallout Boy! Uh oh. The goggles do nothing. <laughs> 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 so it could be coincidence, but it's a be- if it is, it's a beautiful. Simpsons don't really do coincidences, do they? No. We, can we get Matt Groening on the line? Yeah. Jeez, uh, that's that's a beautiful discovery. Yeah, that was a last minute one too. I was just doing a little top up of watching random YouTube clips, and I was like, wait a second. I know. As Simpsons senses tingling. Hmm. Um, so good. How many of the sequels have you actually seen? I've only seen Salvation, I think. Um, oh, I might have watched that I'm, one where the timeline goes all crazy. Which is the... Uh, when John Connor turns out to be a Terminator. Have you seen that one? That's a bit, no. They're all sh- bad. They don't have to be. I just, I'm going to have a quick look. There's six of them. Yeah, okay. I've seen one, two. Uh, which one's three? It's three with the girl. Yeah, that's junk. Christina, Christina Loken. Yeah, I think I've seen that. Because the third one is, you know what I was just saying about how the, the genre jump and like how different. The third one really is just like an extension of the second one. It's not really any new yeah. exciting shit. It's yeah, like, I don't think I've seen Salvation or Genesis. <clears throat> or if I have, I don't <clears throat> really remember them. I think is I saw it, Salvation back in, in the day. Oh, yeah, Sam Worthington's. Oh, both. Sam Worthington's in um, Salvation. Oh, I think I've seen Salvation. Remember when Sam Worthington was going to be famous? He is. Yeah. Poor guy. I he like did Man him. on a Ledge. He wasn't great, apparently. Uh, yeah, I good. like him. Yeah. 
I remember liking him in Terminator Salvation and thinking, oh, this guy's pretty good. I think he, he got in Joel Edgerton's way a bit. Did he? I don't know. <laughs> he was trying to make some hot goss. No, you know, he just started making more movies than Joel Edgerton did. Joel Edgerton's killing it. Yeah. Because he directs as well. That's right. Good on him. Yeah. Aussie takeover. Um, did you feel like, I was trying to think about this today, do you feel like this movie still captures the concerns we have around technology today? I think uh, it broadly does, concept, right? Yeah, like the theme does. I don't think it doesn't dial it up. That much in the movie? I guess it does. That's the premise of the whole movie. Yeah. Um, I think now it's less machine based and more like ai based Maybe yeah. more like the Matrix or something. But They'll build some robots. But it's still there. Like it's still, it's still it's in some ways more relevant and the treatment's just a bit different. It's definitely more relevant. Yeah. Closer. We're closer than we were. Yeah. Autocorrect's already turning on us. Autocorrect is a bitch. Man. That the could, worst. Autocorrect could break relationships. It could. To. That could create a butterfly effect, as it were, mm-hmm. that leads to the end of the world. Yeah. Could happen. Mm-hmm. Man, especially when, like, one of the most powerful people in the world communicates through tweets that could start World War Three. A little yeah. well, bad autocorrect there. If he hasn't managed to do it yet. Although in his case, maybe autocorrect will save the world. Because <laughs> there's like, oh, he just said ducking. He wasn't swearing at us. <laughs> ducking. Ducking. Fucking ducking. <laughs> Fucking ducking. <laughs> I, I always go, ducking's not even a word. Oh, wait, yeah, no, it, it is. is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Just not one that gets used very often. Good, good uh, in the you know, future, he's good use of drones. Yeah. I don't know where the drones were at in 1984, but I'm sure they weren't military-grade yeah. laser-shooting drones, which we have now. True. So that was cool. That was cool. Gun laws looked to be fairly consistent from 1984 to present day. <laughs> fuck yeah That's Yeah fuck I'll take that one I'll take <laughs> all of them Man Oh man Oh some little Some little Familiar faces Bill Paxton Bill Paxton And poor man Arnie And Brian Thompson Yeah Yeah Thugs And flick knives Remember flick knives Were so cool Did you have a flick knife Comb I think I got that Yeah I did I think I got that In the Easter show bag one yeah. year Yeah I was Fucking excited about that Absolutely. <laughs> oh, he's a crazy one. You know what Cameron did after this? Abyss. Actually, ironically, I was comparing it to this. No, he went, oh, yeah, he did Abyss. But he went and co-wrote um, Rambo First Blood Part 2 with Stallone. Did he? And I, I went and checked and he's credited as co-writer. It says written by Sylvester Stallone and James Cameron. What an, interesting, interesting. What an interesting man. What an interesting turn of events. And it's interesting because that takes a massive jump from First Blood into a complete new genre too. So yeah. very interesting. Arguably a worse. <laughs> it's good for different reasons. Um, oh, a little tidbit as well. Um, I forgot to mention an origin story, which I think is worth mentioning. The studio wanted Kyle Reese to have a companion cyborg dog. <laughs> <laughs> Called Wolfie? <laughs> Poochie? <laughs> yeah, Wolfie. <laughs> what? I don't know. Really? Can they have laser beams on their head? <laughs> I just I love that these people exist. Like these horrible, like these That's studios are just like you just have to people. deal with. What about uh, the soundtrack? What about the music? Oh, the music is good and it's just very eighties, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of synth. And remember, we were announcing this episode last episode, and I went to do, and we're like, is, it this, is that music? I in thought part it was T two. Yeah, well, it's slightly different in this one. Yeah, it's like a tiny. It's like it's more eighties. Yeah, but it's like do 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 or something. I can't do it. <laughs> but it's but the main there is tune is there still. Yeah, na, 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 na. it's a great tune. Who did that? Who's the man na, behind na, na, it or woman? Um, we're just playing it. It's a guy. I can't remember. Um, oh, Franco Colombo. Where's I didn't see him. He was so that part where you know when Kyle Reese is in the future and he sees the photo, the photo burn yeah that was Franco Colombo as a terminator coming in and shooting them all oh son of a bitch yeah so that's another good point is not all the terminators look like arnie so it would have been cool in future terminators to see some franco colombos in there yeah um should Brad we fetal who's that oh the music the composer yeah mm. it's good music it's good work music should we get into the verdict yes mm. 
I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to your question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. What say you? Oh, I'm 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 a firm yes. I am also a firm yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's a real little uh, time capsule. Yeah, I was thinking it's a pun. I think it's another one, a bit like Swiggers, where just for historical significance on a much larger scale, this one. It's it's a rewatch just for that alone. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it is good to know to see where this franchise started. People need to be familiar with it and remind themselves that it's good. I also think it's interesting because this is this movie bridges a lot of stuff. So it kind of bridges this B movie James Cameron. Because this mm-hmm. this could be seen as a bit of a B movie, just done well, like a smart B movie kind of. Yeah. And it explains why some massive guy with a weird accent became so fucking famous because, mm-hmm. like, all of his weird features made sense in this movie. He's, yes, he's got, a, he's got quite a bun shot. He's really Van Damming yeah. in those early scenes. <laughs> yes, isn't he? But his accent, it just makes him sound more robotic. If he, if he didn't get this role, he may have never crossed over, you know. He might have just... Well, yeah, because we, we've talked before about how his size... Back in the day, were barriers was a barrier. His accent and his size were barriers, and they were what made him perfect for this movie. So mm-hmm. it's interesting, and it's so he became so big that those factors became invisible. Like most movies, don't explain his accent. I think there were two, right, twins and something mm. else. Most movies don't even bother explaining that. And in a lot of movies, it's just supposed to be an everyman, like jingle all the way. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just happens to have an Austrian. And you don't even, I never thought about it as a kid. As an adult, now I realize that was a bit weird in hindsight, but it just became so accepted that this is just, this it's is our guy. Yeah. And it's, so it's worth watching this to understand how that could possibly happen. Um, so it's a rewatch for me. It's a rewatch. That's mm. all I have to say about that. Do you have any recasties? I didn't. Yeah, it's hard because they're all still active. They're all still doing it. Yeah. There's no like. Still making these movies with these characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't think of any either. No. No recasties. What have we got coming up next? Oh, we've got a special what, TV uh, episode what coming do, up next. Is that next? Yeah. Uh-oh. I haven't watched any. <clears throat> so, yeah, we're going to. We're doing Baywatch. Down in the <laughs> we're very excited by this. So, we're going to. Try and cover the different eras. We're not obviously we're going to watch the whole collection, mm. but we'll choose from a few eras of the show. So, like the original era, the Pamela Anderson era. The we can find a few choice episodes. I had a look online, and, and mm. there are like rankings of the best apps. So maybe we'll take a few of the, the best. Yeah, it's a good idea. You know, I mean, this TV show is the biggest show in the world for a while. It's crazy. Oh, Pammy. And we're slowly building a little TV show list so we can do this every, I don't know, oh, 10 episodes Carmen. or so. Carmen Electra, that chick that jumps out of the cake in Under Siege. Erica Elniak. Bodie, Brody, Bodie, his son. Yeah. I, I thought he was a cool guy. I wanted to be a, like him. He was a heaps cool guy. Yeah. Hobie. Was it Hobie? Hobie. Yeah. <laughs> a weird name. Yeah. It's like Bort. <laughs> <laughs> My son is also named Hobie. <laughs> All right. All right. That's it. Hit us on the socials. Hit us up. Thanks for the <laughs> stuff. Things. Thanks for the chats. We're having good yeah, times. We're good engagement. It. We enjoy the engagement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really um, nice. Double Impact Podcast on Instagram. Double Impact Podcast at gmail.com. And, you know, whatever else. Um, okay. Bye. Have a nice week. Yeah. Have a great week. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice thing. Have a <laughs> <laughs> Bye.